Hi everyone, and welcome back to another podcast in the Learn Oncology Basics of Oncology series, a series meant to introduce healthcare learners and healthcare professionals to the basics of oncology. It is one of many resources on learnoncology.ca, a free educational platform created and maintained by Dr. Paris Ann Engeldew, a radiation oncologist. A special thanks to Dr. Engeldew for reviewing this podcast and Chloe Lim for all her technical support. My name is Conley Kriegler and I am a fourth year medical student at the University of Saskatchewan. Today we will discuss a foundational topic, basics of cancer treatment. Through a case discussion, this podcast will help us understand local and systemic treatments, treatment intent, including both curative and palliative, and three factors that guide management, tumor factors, treatment factors, and patient factors. Let's begin with our case. You are a third-year medical student working with a general surgeon in their clinic. You are seeing Mrs. B, a 75-year-old woman who recently underwent a biopsy of a right breast mass identified on mammography. Unfortunately, the biopsy has come back showing invasive ductal carcinoma, and you are there to discuss her diagnosis and treatment options. Before we continue, please consider the following. How would you manage a cancer in one isolated region versus cancer in several parts of the body? How do curative versus palliative intent change the weighing of cancer symptoms and treatment side effects? What are important parts of treatments that patients would need to know to make informed decisions? And what would be important patient factors to assess what treatments they could tolerate and what treatments they would want? First, let's talk about how to manage a cancer in one isolated region versus cancer in several parts of the body. To answer this, it is good to have an understanding of local versus systemic treatment. The three main forms of cancer treatment consist of surgery, radiation, and systemic or body-wide treatments like chemotherapy. When cancers are small and have not spread throughout the body, often management is to control it locally. That might include surgery to cut out the cancer before it can spread to the rest of the body. Similarly, Radiation, which directs high-powered x-rays at tumors to damage cancer cells and prevent their replication, can be used to treat specific locations, sort of like using liquid nitrogen on a wart. Like the freezing and the subsequent blister, the radiation can damage healthy cells as well, which makes delivering radiation to the whole body something that probably should stay in sci-fi comics. Lastly, we can deliver systemic treatments that, thanks to our circulatory system, can go everywhere in the body. These treatments include chemotherapies, medicines that are toxic to all cells in the body, especially ones that are growing and dividing quickly, like cancer cells, as well as targeted systemic therapies, medicines that target mechanisms that cancer cells use to grow and survive, like blocking a growth factor receptor that is fueling a cancer's growth. These therapies are often helpful when cancer has spread through the body as a local treatment, like cutting out a tumor in the breast wouldn't eliminate cancer that is now within the bone, bloodstream, or lymph nodes. Now we know what to use for treatment. Next we ask, is the goal of every treatment the same? Goals of treatment, curative versus palliative. Cancer treatment is broadly broken down into curative intent and palliative intent. When a cancer can definitively be eradicated, then often the intent is to cure the patient. If it is small and safe to do so, the primary management might be a local treatment, like to cut it out with surgery or irradiate the area. 
However, sometimes primary treatment like surgery can't remove all of the cancer, or there's a risk cancer cells found their way into lymph nodes or blood vessels and spread around the body. If left unchecked, those microscopic cells can grow and divide, causing problems as they get larger. This is why some medicines or radiation are given after a primary treatment like surgery. This is called adjuvant therapy and is given to decrease the risk of cancer coming back by attacking microscopic disease. It includes treating risky areas that cancer might be in after a surgery, like irradiating nearby lymph nodes, or systemic options like chemo to treat what may have spread where we can't see. Sometimes primary management, like surgery, can't be performed safely or completely because of the tumor size and location. In this case, some treatments like chemo or radiation can be given prior to surgery to try and shrink the tumor so it can be removed completely and safely. This is called neoadjuvant therapy because it is given before primary therapy. All of these elements of curative treatment can have significant side effects and a toll on the body, but this is balanced against the benefit of a cure preventing the later complications of a growing cancer, shortening life, or worsening quality of life. However, when cancer is widespread or the treatments may be dangerous or too hard on the patient, curative intent might not be possible. On the other hand, palliative intent focuses treatment on optimizing patients' functioning symptoms, and quality of life. This may include local treatments like excising or radiating a painful growth, or systemic treatments to slow cancer growth and lessen worsening symptoms. It also includes appropriate use of pain control, nutrition, and supportive care to optimize patient goals. With that framework, let's discuss what to consider when choosing the best treatment plan. Three factors for management goals. In general, cancer management plans consider three things tumor factors, treatment factors, and patient factors. Tumor factors are crucial, which is why a biopsy and a good pathologist are so important. Determining the type of cancer and its microscopic features, how widespread the cancer is, and its location are all important for predicting progression, prognosis, and the most effective therapies. For example, an invasive breast cancer with estrogen and progesterone receptors may respond to hormonal therapies, while a cancer without those receptors would not. Similarly, an early-stage breast cancer may be very curable, while a late-stage or metastatic breast cancer may turn the focus towards palliative treatments. Treatment factors that are important to consider are the availability, the efficacy, and the adverse effects of different options. Like the soon-to-be-released COVID vaccines, a treatment has little immediate value if it is not readily available, is not being provided, or is too costly for the patient or system. Additionally, the efficacy of treatments, or how likely they are to cure, control, or improve symptoms, is essential to help patients make informed decisions. Lastly, the adverse effects of every treatment are important to help patients weigh risks and benefits. This includes common and rare side effects like nausea and vomiting or life-threatening infections. It also includes things like time spent receiving and recovering from treatments, as well as limitations to daily life. Lastly, patient factors are central to any cancer management plan. Patient goals, like avoiding pain or maintaining independence, should always guide management, and information should be given in a way that is appropriate and meaningful to assist patients in making the best decision for themselves. Within patient factors, the patient's physical health is crucial. 
after determining their comorbidities like coronary artery disease or renal insufficiency, a performance status level should be determined. A common grading system for performance status in cancer patients is the ECOG system, a scale from 0 to 5, which considers things like activity tolerance, self-care, and waking hours confined to rest. On the scale, 0 is fully active with no pre-disease restrictions, 1 is restricted only in physically strenuous activity, but ambulatory and able to carry out light activities. This might include house and office work. 2 is ambulatory, completing all self-care and only confined to rest in a chair or bed less than 50% of their waking hours. 3 is limited self-care and confined to rest greater than 50% of waking hours. 4 is completely disabled, unable to perform any self-care, and totally confined to rest. 5 is deceased. With a feel for the basics, let's return to Mrs. B. Before going in, you review her pathology and mammogram and determine that an isolated 1.5 centimeter lesion on mammogram of the right breast was confirmed as an invasive ductal carcinoma, grade 1 out of 3, ERPR positive, and HER2 negative. Your preceptor also tells you that she's a pretty healthy lady without much medical history. So, without more information, what sort of intensive treatment would she likely warrant? Correct, she is likely a good candidate for curative intent treatment, as her tumor appears to be small and localized. You enter the room and discuss her diagnosis. After explaining her diagnosis, and that this can be treated with curative intent, she asks if she will need chemo. What would you tell her is the primary treatment for early-stage breast cancer, and is this local or systemic treatment? You tell her, at this point, the tumor appears to be localized to the breast. As such, the first steps will include localized treatment. For her case, surgery is the primary management, and can be done as either mastectomy or lumpectomy. Usually, the lymph nodes will be sampled during the surgery, and this will also help to guide further decisions such as the need for chemotherapy or radiation. These would be considered adjuvant therapies, or therapies in addition, and may include hormonal or other systemic therapies, such as chemotherapies, or breast and even nodal irradiation after surgery. Now, let's consider some tumor, treatment, and patient factors in management planning. What tumor factors may make her a candidate for adjuvant therapies? With her ERPR positive status, she may receive systemic adjuvant hormonal therapies with an aromatase inhibitor like anastrozole. If, during surgery, the tumor appears to be bigger than initially thought or has spread to lymph nodes, there may be a consideration for chemotherapy as well. What about adjuvant radiation? Tumor factors that are evaluated when considering radiation are the resection of the tumor, i.e. are there positive margins, and if the tumor has spread to the lymph nodes. For most patients, when they choose a lumpectomy, the standard recommendation is for adjuvant radiation to the remaining breast. She mentions that she is leaning towards lumpectomy because she wants to keep her breast. However, she also mentions that she lives two hours out of town. With that in mind, what are the three main treatment factors we discussed? Treatment factors include accessibility, efficacy, and adverse effects. In accessibility, radiation might be inconvenient for her if she lives two hours away from the nearest treatment center. 
As radiation is delivered over multiple days, she needs to consider if this is feasible to commute or if she can stay somewhere. With respect to efficacy, radiation is usually recommended after lumpectomy, as lumpectomy without radiation has higher recurrence rates than mastectomy alone. As well, the adverse effects vary between the options. Mastectomy is a more significant surgery, while radiation has varying effects on the skin and the surrounding tissues. Lastly, with patient factors, how will you assess her physical status and treatment goals? You ask her about her level of activity, self-care, and time spent resting in a chair, and explore her thoughts and understanding about treatment options. She is as strong as they come, and in addition to working as the treasurer of a community group, she is still walking, cooking, cleaning, and bathing all on her own, and understands all her options well without any more questions. Thank goodness, because your preceptor still has about two hours of questions to quiz you on. At the end, Mrs. B is happy that you spent so much time with her. She will go off to her surgery and await next steps. She opts for a lumpectomy and sentinel node biopsy. She knows this will likely mean she will need some radiation after, but she is happy to stay in the city with an old friend for a few weeks. Before we're done, let's review what we learned. Cancer management includes local treatments like surgery and radiation and systemic treatments including chemo, molecular targeted therapies, and hormonal therapies. Cancer treatment includes curative and palliative intent, and curative treatment can consist of neoadjuvant, or before, primary, and adjuvant therapy, or after. And the three important considerations in cancer management planning are tumor factors, treatment factors, and patient factors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you learned something. If you like this topic, please visit learnoncology.ca to access other oncology learning modules, videos, practice cases, and even try your hand at some quizzes. Learnoncology.ca can also be found on Twitter and Instagram at learnoncologyca.